Nerds by Nerds production. Welcome back, everybody, to the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. I am Josh, and you may notice this is a little bit of a different intro. This week we have a very special guest, our first interview ever. Matt McCarthy joins us, and we talk about all sorts of things. Nerdy, we talk superheroes, wrestling. Matt's really big into wrestling, so am I. So without further ado, let's just get right into the show. We hope you enjoy. Four nerds by nerds. Today's very special guest is a hilarious stand-up comedian, actor, former writer for the WWE, one half of the tag team combination duo known as the We Watch Wrestling Podcast, and the whole effing show of his own one-man podcast called Justifying My Movie Collection. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt McCarthy. Greetings, friends. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to do it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you've been a lifelong nerd. We're all nerds here. Uh, Still, in my mind, it's a little bit of a derogatory term. I think that's just uh, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, a very, very different time than it is now. Yeah, it's so funny. I guess my image of a nerd was like in the movie, you know, Revenge of the Nerds, and then it was, you know, people who were really into, I guess, school, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe the, the only thing that I, that, in my mind, and obviously this was not my original idea, but the perception was that people who were into Star Trek were nerds. Uh, even though I kind of liked Star Trek, but I, that was that was the one pop culture thing. Like in the late equal started coming out, and people were talking about like Star Wars nerds. It, it was I I was it didn't compute at first. I was like, what are they talking about? And I was like, oh. Because when I grew up, every, everybody just loved Star Wars. That was the deal. Yeah, that's how it is now. Everybody loves everything that I've loved yeah, my entire like life. <laughs> right. Um, comic books, because I grew up hardcore on comic books, it never dawned on me that that might be a nerdy thing. It was just that it was just... It, but it didn't feel like everybody was into comic books because they certainly weren't. It was just... I don't know. It was it was its own separate thing. It always felt very unnoticed to me. I think the first time that I realized other people knew who like Wolverine was, I was like, oh, because you know, like Batman, Superman, Spider Man were all way mainstream, but uh, the rest of them felt very. You know, my son, he's four, and we just went to Target because he graduated uh, pre K, and he picked out a Venom toy, and I'm like, man, I remember when like there wasn't a Venom. Like, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Venom was brand new, and now he's just such an ingrained part of the, the, the pop culture lexicon. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Everyone's like, oh, you hear this new character, Venom? It's like, yeah, you mean that 30, <laughs> 35-year-old character? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's why all the, the casual fans are not fans when Spider-Man 3 came out. They're like, what do you, what do you mean they messed it up? Why is it, why is it bad? I'm like, well, they have, they have 30 years of backlogged information they could have gone off of. They didn't right. have to just make up their own stories. Um, he's really into watching um, 
well, everything, but there's a YouTube channel called Kid City, I think, um, where it's basically unboxing videos. He loves those, you know, opening toys, what kid wouldn't like that. Yeah. And um, the dad, you know, comes off like, you know, they're big superhero fans, but it's just kind of like, well, they're movie fans. Everybody's into superheroes, right? Yeah. And he opens, he opens up one package, you know, it's one of those bagged ones where you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. And uh, it's reverse flash. And he's like, anyway, he unboxes. <laughs> he unboxes um, a, a reverse flash. And he's like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, a yellow flash. Is this a new character? And I was like, oh, busted. Yeah, you gotta be You've kidding been, <laughs> Oh, you just exposed yourself. The character is older than you are, dude. Yeah. Well, the worst part is that you're exploiting your children for that as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, there is a certain discomfort I find watching it. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of turned his kids into uh, income, which is, yeah. well, whatever. Well, it's like that Ryan's world. My son, my son was loving oh, that. Oh, yeah, that one's, I've, I've actually talked to a couple of people who've like worked on that show, like, you know, in production. And it just, it's like, uh, it just sounds, well, I'm, I'm just glad that it's, <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was not my childhood and that is not my experience parenting. So yeah, we're we we are both and it's funny because I know a lot of nerds, but you and me are both in a very if if being a nerd is a small enough circle, we're in an inner circle of that is that we're both wrestling fans. Which is a, a whole nother level of being a nerd. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um again it was just omnipresent when i was a kid and then it was about high school age that at the beginning of high school i should say in like 93 um where it was because obviously i grew up in southern new england it was really it was all wwf um you know we got the the turner well, even even when the Von Erichs were on ESPN, because I remember my brother's best friend, John Baker, loved the Von Erichs. My, my, I remember my brother being like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I've never seen them. <laughs> but uh, we definitely knew who the Road Warriors were and who Ric Flair was and stuff. Um, but when, about 93, when I hit high school, it did feel like, oh, you're still watching wrestling. That's for kids. It wasn't even like, it's nerdy. It was just, it was a children's show. And yeah. then how quickly times changed. By the end of high school, you know, Hogan had flipped. It was the NWO and uh, 316. And then it was just, then I never looked back. Yeah, I give my parents shit all the time because when I was a little kid, they wouldn't let me watch wrestling. And then they let me watch, start watching wrestling in the middle of the Attitude Era. And it's like this, the Ultimate Warrior was too much for you, but this guy's flipping people off and <laughs> chugging beer and there's girls with their boobs out everywhere. You don't, you don't have a problem with this. That is so funny to think of your parents being like, yeah, but this is cool. <laughs> yeah, when I, was, when I was four, Macho Man on Slim Jim commercials was too violent, but... <laughs> that's so funny. You know, watching DX, Shawn Michaels out there jerking off an invisible cock, and that's perfectly fine for your 11-year-old to see. Well, this guy, X-Pac, is, is great. <laughs> Look at him jam his dick in everyone's face. Yeah. But, I mean, again, even then, you know, it was everywhere and everyone was watching it. So I think once you get into the 2000s, 
then there does become a separation of the, you know, I don't want to say men from the boys, but that's just the expression. Um, I guess the true fans and the people who just, you know, gravitated towards what's popular. Um, and you get a lot of that. You're like, oh, you know, I used to watch it when it was cool. It's like, no, nah, I used to watch it when everybody was watching it. and Yeah, when the ratings just, are high. Yeah, you just you were doing what everyone else was doing. Come on, Gilda. The dog's name is Gilda after Gilda Radner. So you're dealing with a, a very high-functioning nerd. Oh, I'm aware. I'm a, I'm a big fan of We Watch Wrestling. I've been, I've been hearing about this dog for years. Gilda Rad Dog. How does Vince shake out on this? I know he's he's not a horror fan. Is he is he lining up for the Avengers movies like you, or is he just kind of casual with that? Um, he's casual with that. Vince is. Um, I don't think he would ever <laughs> self-apply the moniker nerd, um, uh, even wrestling nerd. He'd just be like, "I'm just a wrestling fan." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, He's, um, I mean, if we're just talking nerd in terms of, you know, super fan, uh, Vince is much more of a music nerd, um, like big time music nerd. And then, um, you know, um, he's read comic books here and there. I mean, he's definitely dropped some, I got a Swamp Thing uh, trade paperback that I still haven't gotten to, but I remember when he gave it to me, he was like, oh man, this is really good. You got to check this out. Uh, so I do owe it to him to actually read that, but um, yeah, I'll hear him make a reference here and there. So I've always. Wondered. I mean, he's just yeah, he's a pop culture machine. He knows what's up, you know. Um, cool, like like any. He always has the coolest movie recommendations, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, he'll like. We were just talking about it on today's show, where he's like, you know, he's been watching a lot of Night Flight lately, and um, you know, just but yeah. I, I think I'm probably more into, say, like comic books, but uh, it's so omnipresent now that it's. But you know, he he would check out here and there. I I, I stopped going every Wednesday on New Comic Book Day. Yeah. Basically, when they just they kept restarting the universes, and I was just like, I can't. Yeah, it's been a I lot can't of that sink, lately. No, I can't sink my teeth into it. Yeah, I've I've loved superhero stuff forever, but I've never read a ton of comics just because. They're not, they're not available up here. When I was a little kid, there was no comic book stores. Even during the boom, there was, I think, one in a, you know, 50-mile mm-hmm. radius of my house. That and my parents wouldn't buy them for me, so. <laughs> so well, that, that puts a damper on it, too. Yeah, most of the, I mean, there were a couple comic book stores, but um, mostly I would get my comics and my Mad Magazines and Wrestling Magazines, uh, and then later on, Nintendo Power at, um, uh just the drugstore in our neighborhood the rumford pharmacy yeah um my brother actually was going through his comic books and he he sent me a picture uh the bill the pharmacist had stamped on the cover of the comic book the date which i don't know if it was for his own reference of you know display this magazine until this date but literally just destroyed the any value of this you know now 35 year old comic with just like stamping the data on it he's like yeah. what idiot made this decision <laughs> well yeah awesome. yep, yep, yep. just like one of those rolling date stampers like a librarian would use yeah yeah just funk 
Yeah, I'm sure there's so many, so many wasted treasures out there. It's like, well, I drew on this original print yeah. of Spider-Man One, and this yep. could be worth two million dollars. <laughs> I mean, all those, all those comics from, you know, the golden era—they're just in landfills now. Yeah, I read an you know? article. Someone was uh, tearing the walls out of an old house, and they found uh, an issue of uh, Action Comics One with Superman. And someone had used it as insulation. They were just stuffing newspapers and anything they could find in the walls. Wow. And they wound up selling it for like $250,000. Wow. To like, think they, they were stuffing their walls full of the money. Gold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. So how did the uh, uh, Batman videos come about? Was that just you and Pete were spitballing ideas? Or did, did they come to you guys? No, that was um, the uh, that was when it was front page films. It was me, Pete Holmes, Oren Brimmer, um, and we were just making you know videos, anything that we could come up with. And um, Pete uh, is more the type of guy that he's more interested in doing his own ideas than yeah. than a ton of collaborating. Um, but. Uh, so the the batman thing was uh his idea the first one where it's just you know commissioner gordon yeah. always turns around and batman vanishes <laughs> and so the idea was gordon catches him about to vanish um but with the really with the the thinking being that uh this is like a pop culture heavy thing um and it's something that I think really we were trying to think of something that <clears throat> we could pitch to college humor so that they would pay for it. Yeah. Um, so that they would pay for the production and so that it would look really good. Um, because we were just shooting simple ideas that we could just, you know, uh, film in our apartments or on the street. Um, the, the, the thing we had was Oren was a very, or it still is, um uh a very good uh director and editor especially and so he knew how to you know things always look professional and then the the small amount of uh special effects we were able to um utilize uh is all because of Warren. um really the only reason that we were able to start shooting things at all was because of Orin. Because uh, it was just, God, it was just a different world then. It wasn't like you still had to have a camera. Like you still had to have, you know, um, it just the, like, we're, I'm doing this on my phone right now. This, that's, this was not. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> possible back then. Um, so, yeah. So it was, it came from that. And then it be, wound up becoming, uh, I feel like, it got a lot of hits on the website. I feel like Kevin Smith saw it and he retweeted it, which really helped get some oh, eyes yeah, on sure. it. Yeah. And then, and then college humor was like, well, why don't we do a bunch? And then it turned into, you know, their most popular video, you know, at the it's crazy college humor is not even a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but at the height of their, hold on at the height of their um, 
producing videos and th- and that was back in New York too. Um, it's crazy. Like the last college humor video I did wasn't that long ago, but it was just a, um, it was another permutation on the, um, uh, Nick Cage's agent game oh, that we yeah. would do. And so I think the last one I did was like Scarlett Johansson's manager or something, something like that. Um, and it was all these, I didn't know any of the kids who were running the production. Um, and I was telling them about when College Humor was in New York and, you know, like what a different, like, I mean, Sam Reich is still there. Well, he's, he is College Humor now. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, at the time I was just like, man, everybody I knew, they're all gone. Like, you know, so, some of them are on SNL now. Some of them are, you know, cause it, it really, the people I knew there, the, the, the core of them became either like Jake and Amir run Headgum or, you know, big baby productions like, uh, uh, Adam ruins everything. Um, or sort all sorts of show like that. Even like, you know. Adam Newman uh, was at College Truman when I first met him. Yeah, a bunch of different people. But so yeah, it became, it just became this thing that we did. And God, so many of them we shot at night. And it was like, when you're doing a night shoot, it's like you start at, like it's still an eight hour day. Yeah. Yes, but it's like you you start when the sun goes down and you finish when the sun goes up. I always wonder: Are you Bane in that Batman can't yes. stop talking dirty? Are you? Yeah, I figured I, the voice sounded like you, but I'm like, he doesn't have hair. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a a bald cap and the 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 face gear, which um that was a really really hot day. We did a lot of them in the summer, and that was in a um there are these uh just really small economic shooting stages um with pre you know pre-made sets that you can use in um might be in Boyle Heights because where we wound up shooting the Two-Face and maybe even the Riddler one too uh, those might be in the same location, but certainly Two-Face, that is in Boyle Heights, and that was the Lucha Underground Temple. Yeah. What wound up becoming the, the, the LU Temple. Um, is that even still a thing? Lucha Underground? No, that's Yeah, is done. that still on? Is it done? Yeah, I was going to say, it's I haven't heard done. about it in years. I know. And so, but the, the Bane one, God, it was so hot that day. And I couldn't take off any of the, the gimmick. Yeah. And which also meant like I couldn't drink any water the whole oh, day. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, Pete was, Pete, God bless him, when he would wear like the Batman thing, especially I remember the Riddler one that was so hot in that warehouse. Same thing for the paint, water just pouring on the inside of it. It was disgusting. Um, but yeah, I played the villain in, in all of them. Um, and some of them you can't, you almost can't even recognize it's me. Like the Two Face one, I was actually clean shaven at the time. I was writing for WWE at that time, and I just happened to be in LA. And we shot a bunch of those. And and when I'm Gordon, I 
think I have a fake mustache on, but when I'm two faced, I'm totally clean shaven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was the, the villain in all those, uh, you know, Scarecrow, Riddler, uh, all of them down the line. Yeah, it's so crazy how those took off, and, and they're just amazing. By the end there, I mean, it looks like you just stumbled onto the movie set and started making your own videos. <laughs> like that one with yeah. the fat jet in it, and which is one of the last ones you guys ever did, I think. Uh, that just looks like yeah, it's from the movie. Yeah, that was towards the end. I know. Yeah, and that was, um, that was just the – that was like college humor at the height of their yeah. production values. And, um, I mean, like the it's it, – it, the the effects guys who built that you know the props guys who built that uh were killer um and you know if you saw a wide shot of the whole thing you'd see yeah, how it like shit yeah. <laughs> how shitty and and actually what's funny is even the batman suit that pete would wear in real life the first time we saw it we were like oh this is terrible like why are we working with these people and then they're like no it actually it'll look better on camera and then when we watched it we we're like Oh my God! It looks like the. Yeah. What did you do? He <laughs> looks like Batman. Yeah, you know, it's just wild. It was one of those things. But yeah, shooting him at night was brutal because yeah, it's always yeah, yeah. on. Because when you write something, you don't think about the, you know, the logistics. That's somebody else's problem. And then <laughs> we're always shooting them on a roof at night, and I was just like, you know, two night shoots in, in a row, and I was like, we need to start writing more of these inside. Yeah, yeah, air conditioning would be nice. Yeah, shoot it during the day in air conditioning and be done with it. Yeah, I remember Pete saying that about the X-Men videos you guys did on his show. When he originally yeah. wrote those, he's like, no one would have made been able to make these. The budgets would have been crazy because I wasn't thinking about CGI of Nightcrawler bamfing in and out of screen and stuff like that. Right, right. How was, how was that experience for you? I know it didn't really go the way you wanted to, but I mean, that's still, there must have been a lot of fun, fun parts working on Pete's show. Um, there were, when it finally was just, because like I said before, like Pete was more interested in doing Pete's ideas and he wouldn't be as enthusiastic about my ideas. Um, I can't really speak to Orrin's experience, but um, I, but we collaborated very well because when we would come up with a, a premise or a situation where it was just me and Pete playing off of each other, um, just doing like a, you know, well, I mean, the first thing we ever worked on was a battery commercial where he was the positive side of the battery and I was the negative. And then we realized this is great. We should just keep making videos. Yeah. So we always played off of that positive and negative thing, um, which is just that's standard you know, duo comedy. Um, you know, I mean, that goes back to, you know, vaudeville. I mean, my God. Um, and when we would come up with a premise of, you know, the supermarket or the hotel, um, once, once we had a world I could come up with, and we would all come up with different ideas and scenarios and like, oh, we should do one where it's this, that, and the other. Or in the moment, coming up with things on the fly. That was really what I loved the most about um, collaborating with those guys. Uh, when the show started, 
the TV show, I mean, like you mentioned the X-Men thing, like the Wolverine and Professor X was like an old idea that I remember Pete talking about him and I doing, God, back in like 2007 when him and I were roommates. And then when that, because then I wasn't involved at all in any of the X-Men videos. And then when I saw the Wolverine one, it was, uh, and it was actually the very first thing on the first episode of the Pete Holmes show. And it was very, um, I hated it, basically, to be yeah. totally honest, because I was like, oh, that was supposed to be me. And yeah. I didn't really feel like I was a part of that show as much of a part of the show as I truly was. Um, it was just a, uh, it was not a fun day-to-day experience. But there were times when all the bullshit was put aside and where Pete and I actually got to just perform comedy together. So like there were like, if you look at like, there's definitely on YouTube like outtakes of when we did our um, True Detective parody um, where we could just riff with each other or the, some of the heaven videos um, or the lawyer videos. Yeah, the lawyer like, videos the, are great. <laughs> yeah, so like the lawyer was like one that I came up with. I was like, this is like the ultimate scenario for the the Matt and Pete negative positive thing where he's the lawyer and I'm in prison. And I'm like, the stakes are so high uh, because I'm, I'm like in federal prison and we're behind glass. So there's, it also like, because there would be sometimes it's like, why don't I kill this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, why wouldn't I just, you know, men in white coats are prying my thumbs off of his windpipe. <laughs> um, so it, it really, that was so fun. Or even like we did like psychiatrist or psychologist something. Yeah. There were just so many times where it was just when it could just be. And I just, there were only a couple times where it was just me and Pete in his office just riffing back and forth ideas. And it was just like, that's, that's when I felt like, you know, God, we're doing this again. But again, I can only speak to my experience and I, I, I did not have a, it wasn't the best experience, but it was, um, it was very, I learned a lot, you know, I definitely yeah. learned a lot about TV and about myself and, you know, I mean, it, but it was, you know, even towards the end of that run, uh, I think he was already starting to develop his relationship with, with Apatow and, and they were starting to figure out what wanted to become crashing. And um, Pete had said to me that he wanted that he, I don't know what it was, but he did have an idea for me on crashing that he wanted me to be involved in it. And, um, and I basically said, no, I, I don't really want to work with you and Orrin anymore. Um, which is just what happens, you know, yeah. um, people outgrow each other. I was just, you know, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to do my own thing at that point. And you, you started know? the podcast like right away after that, right? Well, I started, we watch wrestling, um, even before the Pete Holmes show started, uh, because. Oh yes. I remember you were, you were. Well, I was in the first few episodes there for a little yeah, while. Yeah, because I wasn't, 
clear on what my involvement, if anything, was going to be on the Pete Holmes show because I was like, okay, I want to be a performer and a writer. Yeah. And then I never got an offer to be a writer until after the first season was done. And I said, look, I'm not enjoying this. Make me a writer on the show, you know? Um, and then there I was. And then, but at first I didn't, because especially after like the Wolverine video came out, I was like, very quickly i realized oh no i'm not involved uh at all and yeah. i saw because it was a whole series of x-men videos and i was like oh great i see what's happened here they've figured out a way to make matt and pete videos without matt yeah. you know it's just pete and then somebody else um which was just a Colossal bummer, you know. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt that that show would have had more legs to stand out too if it had just been that. If it had just been like a sketch comedy show, and not to say that Pete's interviews weren't great and everything, but if that had been on Comedy Central and just been those skits that you guys are making, I feel like it would have been a lot, lot better. Would have I know. Gotten more feet under it. I know when I would when 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 it was actually really not that he, I know either of those guys and it's such a funny show but when Key and Peele first came out it was very difficult for me to watch it because I was like I could see the give and take and I could see them supporting each other and there wasn't like this um you know competition um, maybe maybe there is a competition between the two of them but there wasn't a um it didn't it just it felt like such a healthier collaboration where neither was trying to outshine the other one i don't know it was just the two of them were together as opposed to yeah everything know, was naturally just meshing i mean look at the crazy shit they did they're doing gremlin 2 parodies <laughs> yeah but i mean that that's what it was or like with Broad City. It was just like, damn, it was just the two of them were equals. Um, and I didn't feel that same dynamic with me and Pete. Um, so, and um, the show is, I mean, the ratings weren't great, but the budget was, it was such an expensive fucking show to do because it was, it wasn't just a talk show and it wasn't just a sketch show. Yeah. Uh, and it needed to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's, uh, but you know, it led to other opportunities because uh, I knew, because it was a Conoco production and I already knew a lot of the writers on Conan just from, you know, doing comedy in New York. And then I've had a, a very consistent um, opportunity to perform at sketches on Conan, which I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, which again is, is, much more it's closer to what i loved about the front page film sketches where it was like you know just not overthinking everything sorry not overthinking everything but also just put it this way my favorite thing in the world is showing up at conan and we're shooting something for that day or i'm going to be in the audience of the live show that day 
and the stage manager or whoever says, do you know what you're doing today? And I go, no, uh, because they trust me that much that they can bring me in, give me something. The amount of times that I've done cold rehearsals um, and they trust me enough to do that. Uh, I just, I love that. I love that feeling of, I don't know. I just, I love live TV, even though that shows live to tape, but just, I love that, you know, pencils down, we got to get it done now type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I really, you know, it's one of the, I mean, that's one of my favorite, like I love the Grateful Dead for that same reason where it's just like, this is what it was that day. You know, the, the two recordings of, you know, live comedy that I've done and I have a third in, in, in the tank that I need to actually uh, time out, but I don't like edits. I don't like doing like two nights and then we'll mix together yeah. the best of it. I like more of the, this is what happened this night. You know, yeah. I love that. You don't want to do the Chris Rock three different countries mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be wild. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about wrestling. You work for the WWE and I know you've already told that story. We don't have to have to get into that, but I mean, just your love of wrestling overall. How, how are you feeling about things today? I mean, I'm, this is probably my, my second renaissance of, uh, of not watching as much as I used to. Every, everyone has the down period yeah. as a wrestling fan. I know you know that. Oh, of course. Well, that's why it's such a great time because um, WWE doesn't have the market cornered. Yeah. You know? And they've, they've, through their own hubris, have made it that way, um, which is great. I mean, looking back now on the indie shows that – I used to go to and like all the, the talent that are now WWE guys. It's one of those things where you just never, we, we where usually you don't know how good you have it. But even at the time we were like, we did know. We were like, this is the greatest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you guys were like, seeing, I mean, future Hall of Famers there in your PWG runs. Oh my God. It's, it's everybody who's on top now in uh, NXT and, to a certain extent on the main roster, but certainly AEW, I mean, forget it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, and New Japan, you know, thank God they just came back this week. They're doing uh, empty arena shows and they are, it's just, it's like New Japan. It's just, it's like they didn't, because WWE without the fans, there is yes. really something missing. And yeah. it really wasn't, you know, firing on, on all cylinders with the fans but now it's uh woof you know yeah but i mean vince is just vince is out of touch and vince is old that's that's the problem yeah know? the the amount of wasted talent that is just under contract there is yeah. is incredible i mean yeah. there is there's too there's just too many there are too many people to do anything with i mean yeah poor, poor kevin owens at least he gets a spot every week but i mean he hasn't gone no. sniffing around that world title since he lost it like move, move him into SmackDown and give him that belt. <laughs> At least let him go back to NXT. Please. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been watch what I've been watching AEW as much as I possibly can. Um, but WWE, it's mostly listening to podcasts and watching clips on on YouTube because it just there's no there's no incentive there's no there's no reason to to watch um, all of it because you're not you're not going to miss out on anything because there's going to be no 
follow up or things are going to change. I mean, it, it, it's very much the same thing that got me to stop being a consistent uh, Marvel and DC uh, buyer of new comics because it's like you keep restarting the universe. I'm yeah. like, what am, what am I investing in this for? You know, uh, I have a stack of Justice Society of America comics that there's just, there's no clear resolution. There's no finality to it. And then all of a sudden it's all gone. And what's worse is, I don't know what's worse, whether or not it's like, oh, well, none of this happened, none of this happened, or none of this matters. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah, like, well, why did, yeah. I, why did I spend my time, which is bad enough, my money, which is bad enough, but also I cared about these characters. Yeah, you invested in the storyline. Now you're punishing me for, for caring. Yeah. Um, and that's the worst of the three. You know, because there's, you know, until the day I drop dead, I've got plenty of time. There'll always be more money. But the fact that you are, and WWE is horrible at this, the fact that you are mocking me yeah. for caring about these people, these characters, these wrestlers, then goodbye. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll, you won't have me to kick around anymore. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first dip off period was, the JBL and Triple H both had the belts on two shows and they were, they had them for a year and a half each almost. And sure. I was just like, this is boring. Like there's, there's no hope in this whatsoever. The bad guys yeah. win over and over and over again. And that's what it's been like the last few years trying to get Roman over. It's like, everything's on pause, whether you like Roman Reigns or not. Every, yeah. that world title has been on pause to eventually get it to him. And it's failed over and over again. And it's like, if you're done, start trading that belt around a little bit. Give it some, you know, build some, some stars off of it. Because now it doesn't matter. Now you have all these stars, whether they've had the belt or not. They're a top guy anyways. So now the belt has really become a prop. When you don't want it to be a prop, you want it to be a prize. Right. And you want, and you want people to give a shit when when someone's going after it or think they could possibly win it and and because otherwise why I'm why just off. Yeah. yeah yeah well it's like all the other belts like, i mean right. you can get you can get aj and daniel bryan into that ic tournament all you want to but why why should i give a shit because you haven't cared about this title in the last so however many years right and if you don't and, give a shit why am and, I and you're giving it to guys who've already been world champion. You're doing it backwards. Like, why should I give a shit if AJ's going to have the IC title? He's already a three-time world champion. Yeah. Like, he should add that belt first. And same same with Braun Strowman. What do you, he had that belt for a couple weeks and then got the world title. You should have either skipped it all together Hogan style or you should have should have built that up years ago. I mean, you said it. And it's just, uh, it, I don't know. I like it. I like AEW. I like what they're doing. Um, it's been yeah. a little, a little, not lackluster. Just, I think the things everybody has wanted to see haven't happened because they're trying to be like, we're not going to give ourselves the belts. 
but it's like everybody wants to see Kenny on top. Kenny's the man. Yeah. Not that it's fun, not fun having Jericho on top, but. Well, I mean, I feel like there's time to get there. And as much as Kenny's stock has fallen in, in value, perhaps, if, if we want to put it in those terms, um, there's, I feel like he's talented enough and the Bucks are talented enough that when they pull the trigger, it won't feel forced and it won't feel like it's too late. Um, That's just, I mean, that's how I feel now. But I think really what they've been doing is just laying the groundwork for what's to come. So we'll see. Hopefully we do get, you know, that we're, hopefully we get to look back and see, my God, they were telling this story for the last three, four years and planting the seeds for this, you know, giant thing. Because that's basically, that's the way New Japan is. is like ghetto books, maybe like two or three years out. And yeah. he slowly builds to, to get there. And I mean, it's like, look at Okada. Okada was a job guy on Impact. And ghetto booked him into his fullest potential and you know you can you can be a great hand and be the the best you know in-ring performer that there is but you need to have the machine behind you putting you in those right places that finally everyone comes around they're like oh my god he's the best wrestler in the world yeah maybe he's the best wrestler we've ever seen you know yeah that's very true yeah, no, I'd love to see AEW. I mean, they did, New Japan did that with Kenny. It was getting like that towards the end before he won the title. It's like, is this going to happen? I mean, when he right. lost to Okada the first time, when he had won the G1, I couldn't believe that shit. I was like, I thought this was, was you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. And and then they just, they, and then when he won, I think in the next year when he beat Okada, Okada was champion and he beat him in the G1 tournament. Right. I thought he won the title, so I freaked the fuck out because all the headlines were Kenny beats Okada, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, he won the title finally!" And then it was like, "Oh no, that was just that was just a G one tournament match." <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" But I mean, they didn't do it wrong because when he won it, it still meant as much as it was supposed to. Yeah, and there's still it's 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 a shame that Kenny left when he did, just in terms of New Japan storytelling because there was there was more story to be told. I mean, not just in the Okada Kenny story, but in the Okada Kenny story too, because it's like, he still never hit the, the one winged angel on Okada. Yeah. And that was like this big piece of the story. And then that, that one match they had with each other, that was like, you know, like an hour and a half long or something, you know, it was just everything that had come before played and told that story in that match and it was just it was just perfect storytelling you know it's everything that you want where you have these different unrelated ideas or episodes come together into this you know i even i even even the thing that comes to mind is like always like um the south park movie 
um, that is such a well-crafted story. And the way that everything that's set up in those first two acts, but particularly everything that we're given in the first act, all comes together in the third act. And it's just, it's just brilliant. You know, it's just, 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 just a, from a pure writing mathematical standpoint of like, God, this was so well crafted. Like nothing was left um, unconsidered or, you know, there's no fat on that script. I love that yeah. movie, you know, I haven't watched it in years, but. Yeah, it was it, too much. When I saw it, when it first came out, I was too young to get most of the stuff they were doing. And I was like, oh, that South Park movie sucked. It wasn't that great. And then a few years later, I watched it again. I was like, this is a fucking masterpiece. Like, this movie's yeah. amazing. Yeah, really, really well done. Really cleverly done. It was like the, the first Kenny Okada match. I remember watching that, and I'm like, it is perfect. It is amazing. The way it builds. Because it starts slow, technical. And you would think with the two of them, it's going to be balls to the wall all the way. But they took their time. Yeah. And it was presentation, and it was just everything it should have been. And, and they replicated it in different ways every single time. It's like immediately got etched in the history books of two rivals up there with like Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat or, you know, every, all the top guys. I mean, Okada isn't even a worldwide name to most casual fans. But if you showed them that, they would be like, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is everything you want. I mean, that's WrestleMania caliber. I mean, it's even above WrestleMania caliber matches because you don't get matches like that at Mania anymore. No. I mean, the last amazing matches you got at Mania were, were Taker and Shawn Michaels, and that's not the same type of match. Right. I mean, you, there's been plenty of gr good matches, but I mean, that memorable etched in stone immediate classic yeah it just i mean it's so rare these days mostly because of lack of time and oversaturation i mean who on the who on the raw roster hasn't fought each other i mean i mean everybody. i don't know if you watched <laughs> this past yeah i don't know if you watched this past weekend but the fact that vince decided we're gonna promote edge and orton as the, the greatest, greatest match wrestling match ever <laughs> And it's like, what are you, like, what? That, that is just Vince McMahon in one sentence, you know? Yeah. It's like, you are, he's a promoter, and you're just like, you, like, where is the, there's no logic at all. Well, and there it's is, the same week you have AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, and you're talking about a Randy Orton match is going to be the best match in history. Right. It's just this insane idea of saying something is the best thing that's ever happened before it's happened and that you're telling me this yeah, is the know. greatest thing you've ever seen. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like the, just the audacity and the, the contempt you have to have for your audience to just make a shit sandwich like that regardless because once you've once you've set up that gate randy and edge are never going to be able to get out of it there's oh, no absolutely. yeah you're setting them up for failure there's no succeeding excuse me there's no succeeding in that 
it's insane to me. It's beyond, it's just, it's confusing. You know? Shit he loves to do. I mean, like, when it was, and he loves to do it with Randy Orton, like it was uh, Orton and Cena, the last time ever. And then two weeks later, they're fighting each other on TV again. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck are you doing? He loves that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all—it's always one of those things. If you have to tell somebody how great it is, how great can it really be? No shit. And yeah, I mean, just the—if you just look at the roster, I mean, I love Edge and everything, and I've never been too high on Randy. But I mean, just look at the roster of people you have, and why—why why would you possibly think that that was going to be the best match in history? I mean, you have people like Ricochet and AJ Styles, <laughs> like. And, I mean, my God. Yeah. No, it's it's not even, yeah, they're not even, in their prime, they still wouldn't, they're not even the two best wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Randy's never been the best wrestler. No. I mean, you he's might, very, like, very you might like him and everything. He's good at what yeah. he does, but I mean, he's not, he's not a technical wizard or anything. No. I mean, if he got in there and had an actual shoot match with Daniel Bryan or something like that, like, he'd get twisted up like a pretzel. Oh, that, I would say I'd pay top dollar for that pay-per-view yeah <laughs> yeah i'm so happy daniel bryan's back when uh i mean it's it's great i listened to his jericho podcast when he first returned the other day and i was like a i can't believe it's been two years and b i still remember the night he retired and it was it's funny that they wrestled this past week because the night he was retiring while i was waiting for that segment to happen i was watching him and aj styles in some gymnasium in front of 15 people on YouTube, wrestling the hearts out. And I'm like, this is a fucking WrestleMania main event. And it's happened in some VFW hall in front of a couple right. of people. It's insane. I mean, and then you just see this wave of talent going to the main roster constantly. And people are like, well, what are they going to do with this guy? And it's like, well, fuck that guy. What are they going to do with the guy that showed up three waves ago that's still waiting for his opportunity? <laughs> You know, it's like Kevin Kevin Owens been on the main roster for like five years now, and he's been champion once. And like I said, luckily he gets a spot. But I mean, he's not. Then at this point, it's like, well, that experiment's over. They're never gonna get back to him. It happened happened a lot with the with the ladies. Well, if you got the the championship, especially when it was the Devious Championship, it was like, well, check that off the list, because you ain't ever getting back there. Like you're you're done. <laughs> like. You're you're out of you're out of fuel. We're gonna move on to the next wave of women. It was mm-hmm. like uh, like they had gotten too old or something. <laughs> These are twenty five year old women, and it's like yeah, you're past your prime. And Vince gets bored. Vince is bored, and he has no memory. That's that's the problem. He's got no patience, no memory. He's just a promoter. Just give him something that he can promote. He's not even a storyteller. You know, he's just. He, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's the problem with him. He's just, um, nobody remembers that. Oh, nobody remembers that. You know, it's like, well, if you keep telling me that nothing I saw before matters, nothing I'm about to see is going to matter. Yeah, so I'm going to go somewhere where I can give a shit. Well, and it's, the, it's the fact that it is the complete opposite. It's like, no, everything you do matters. <laughs> Everything you do right. is remembered. I mean, you're 
they're not throwing the tapes away after they're done recording like they used to. No, and it's also, that's, that's, that's what a pro wrestling match is, is like, literally, it's the story of one thing leading to the next. Like, everything you do in a match matters. Because yeah. if I'm just, if we're just punching each other for 20 minutes and it hurts neither of us, none of it matters, like, that's, that's the whole art form. It's yeah. about making me feel like this matters. Me even just going into it, knowing that it's a show, knowing that there is an exhibition and a performance going on, yet still somehow making me, you know, forget all that, to care so much and to be just, you know, it, <sighs> fucking, they give out Academy Awards for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's the whole, that's the thing. Like, I'm not, we started with talking about, like, their drawings. Drawings in a book on, like, pulpy, crappy paper. Just drawings. Yet I have, there have been comic books I've read where at the end of it, I have, am crying. Yeah. You know, where I am moved. I am disgusted. I am, like, happy i'm i mean just i get shivers there are certain comics i can just think about and the hair starts standing up on my shoulders i mean i'm just like it's and then and then you get vince just he's just got nothing but contempt for the thing that has made not just him but his entire family for like two generations behind him wealthy and successful people and he's just, he's better than it. And it yeah, you would matter. think a guy that grew up in a trailer park wouldn't treat everybody like trailer trash. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a psych major, but it does, it does seem to me that maybe I could see it stemming from he got everything he ever thought that he wanted and it didn't fix what was going on in here. And yeah. that's a scary place for a person. You know, when you get the thing that's supposed to fix you and you get the thing and you're still the same guy with all the same problems, that's a really scary, yeah. scary reality. Yeah, it might change your life, but it's not going to fix your life. Yeah. This, was, this was the thing I kept dreaming about. This is what was going to make it all better. And now I've got everything I ever wanted. You know, it's the Citizen Kane story. It's like, I've got everything. And it isn't giving me back my childhood yeah you know yeah yeah i was i was driving around thinking about that yesterday and and people have said it to death i mean but i just can't wait till he steps aside and how like that'll probably usher in a new boom of wrestling because like if within, it's like nxt yeah. then we're in for great fucking shows nonstop forever I mean, it's going to be like a gasp of fresh air, you know? Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's just, it's true, you know? And who would think Triple H would be the one to be so selfless to promote all these other great, talented people? I know. Who, who could predict it? And I mean, as when you were saying how comic books move you and everything, I mean, I've been saying that about comic book movies, how they get snubbed by the Academy Awards. And people say, well, they're just, they're kids' books, they're drawings, they're cartoons. And it's like, these are basically our literary heroes these days. I mean, they're actual heroes. 
But I mean, these are the books people read. These are, these, you know, you can make as many, uh, you know, Tom Clancy movies as you want and they flop left and right. I mean, you can't say that Robert Downey Jr.'s acting is bad. You can't say that Chris Evans is bad as Captain America. I mean, they're, these aren't shit performances. Right. I mean, they don't have to be nominated for Best Picture. I mean, but these actors could still be nominated. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't have to be Oscar bait to get your yeah. attention. No, I mean, it's just that, uh, that's just the nature of the way it, it's like, you get the, you get the list of, you know, nominations for Best Picture. And like, sometimes you look at like a couple of them, you're like, what the fuck is that movie? Yeah, you I've know? never even heard of that. Yeah. yeah. It's just that that's that's their idea of sophistication is it's always it's always the same stories, you know. That's well how many Academy that, Award winners do you role. need in these movies before you I mean Robert Redford's popping up in these movies. Right. I mean you, ultimately the Academy Awards is just a very cleverly disguised advertising campaign for movies and the bottom line is the big blockbusters don't need any more help. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the awards are made up. That's all it comes down to. It's just, this is, this is where we can pretend, well, nobody saw this movie, but it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, how, how, I mean, Amy, you guys used to have three guys. Tom Sibley used to be on your show, but now your dynamics changed. Now it's just the two of you. Um, once everything is up and running again, are, do you plan on doing more live shows? Are you? Are you? Oh yeah, have no, lots that's... of plans for the shows. Yeah, no. I mean, we had to cancel a live show on our whole mania trip. Um, yeah, and it was, you know, God, that's man. I just kept, I, I just kept hope, and I was like, please let this let this be cured before April or at the very least, let the worst of it come after we come back or, you know, but that's just, that's just selfish. I mean, that's, you know, it's just the way that it is. It, it was um, very quickly. It, it became apparent to me. I was like, there's no way they're going to allow, you know, 60,000 people to sit next to each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but no, when this is done, I mean, I don't foresee a future where I'm sitting at home <laughs> at all ever again. Yeah. You know, I, I just, and if I am, it's because there's a bunch of people here with us because I just, I love a crowded house and I, I just, this, this thing has really reinforced and and reminded me just how much i love people and interacting with people um but like the live shows is it's so much fun and and because for me the live show it always means that it's always in conjunction with a wrestling show that we're going to or a town where we're just going to check out you know even if it's not a big pay-per-view or a, a whatever um that we're at least going to Chicago and we're going to see AAW or we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, go to a convention or a, I mean, really when it, when it comes down to it, if I had to pick the one thing that I regret most missing of mania week, it's going to WrestleCon because just sitting there 
and the people watching and just yeah. seeing the old timers walking around, interacting with fans, interacting with each other. I mean, that was, that's, that's my meat and potatoes. Like I love just that experience, like seeing the Sandman and Terry Funk. No, no, seeing Shane Douglas and Terry Funk sharing uh, a Gatorade or, you know, uh, Tony Atlas eating chitlins that somebody bought him and him walk and them stinking up the whole place and him going somebody brought me these chitlins and mvp going and i quote verbatim tony throw that shit away tony <laughs> said it name twice the heavy book ended it with tony throw that shit away tony that's yeah. awesome i know i love that i love that episode you guys recorded from your table what was that oh. was that all in or was that wrestlemania weekend i might have done it twice yeah, we've done that more than once, but uh, the the one at Starcast, the very first Starcast, that was yeah. like, that was my favorite. That was such a crazy, unique, like the Great Muppet Caper, everyone in one hotel together type thing, and just people walking by and just just the where we were in the lobby and seeing guys come in and out. I mean, it was just. I love that. I just see love seeing wrestlers in the wild, you know? Yeah. It is a yeah, it's it is very different. We had uh my high school I graduated from, we had a we had an indie show here. Uh about ten years ago now. Abyss was there, Kazarian was there, and unfortunately Jake Roberts was there. And <laughs> this, this was he was dressed like the great Kali. He had the he had the silk red silk pants on. Uh, and he was just, he was a, he was a dick. He was acting, acting like an idiot the whole time, wow. grabbing, grabbing his fistful of his junk and waving it at people and stuff. And it's just like, dude, wow. That's, uh, he that's had the red silk pants on? Yeah. That's what I couldn't that's stand like, about his documentary is that it was like, you're trying oh. to change your habits, but you're not trying to be a better person. <laughs> like you have to try to not be an asshole and that might help you with all your other issues. <laughs> Yeah, I have my experience has been helping other people is what helps me, yeah. you know, instead of just asking, well, where's mine? Where's mine? Yeah. Uh, but God, the, the, the red that that's what he used to wear, like in in like mid south, I feel like, or yeah, he had like baggy, they looked exactly like the great Kylie's pants, baggy wow. silk, like pajama bottoms. Wow, that's like legion of doom jake roberts that's like <laughs> old old school that's crazy i think it was just because he, he he couldn't he was so out of shape he couldn't wear trunks i mean he, i don't i think he wrestled a t-shirt on i mean i mean that was another call wrestling, wrestling. yeah that was another WrestleCon moment that we were peripheral to we found out later what had happened we heard all the commotion and we saw davy boy smith jr um storming over and then what wound up happening was he threw coffee on jake roberts because of something he said about his dad on a radio show and you know he demanded an apology and jake was like i'm not fucking apologizing to you yeah. and i was like damn, damn. Yeah, I, wa I walked up to his autograph table and he didn't say a word he didn't look at me he just yeah. he had his pose he had his his pictures on his table and he just stick his arm out and go and i was like no, I'm good. Like, you're not even going to say hello? Like, go fuck yourself. I'm not paying $30 right. for an autograph. You're a dickhead. Yeah. You know, Abyss is yeah. over here letting me take free pictures with him and, and chatting up a storm. 
You're just well, I mean, that's my story. That's my story about the, the picture of Flair and, and Piper I have. Like, Flair couldn't have been colder, more aloof. I'm like, yeah. you having a good time, Mr. Flair? He's like, oh, yeah, tremendous facility. And I'm like, okay, any idea when this picture was taken? He goes, I don't know, long time ago. And then when I went over to, wouldn't even look up at me. And then when I went over to Roddy Piper, he saw me coming and started smiling and was standing up and hugged me and said, oh, he just looks at me and he goes, we had known each other back in the day. We would have had a real good time. Yeah. <laughs> and then like asking my name, where I'm from, he's signing the picture. I say to him, any idea when that picture was taken, Mr. Piper? And he stopped and like thought about it, took a breath and got real serious. And then he looked at me, he goes, 1981. You want to know how I can tell that? Because we're looking each other in the eyes. We'd known each other for a long time and we weren't holding anything back. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, thank you for that experience. Thanks for giving a shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you're making you for... somebody's day. I mean, you'll have that memory forever. Right. And I have the, the juxtaposition yeah, of the two of them. Yeah. So it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's that, it's a very important picture that I have because it's a reminder of we can, we can, we have what the things we do and say have impact on others. And that's an important thing to remember. Yeah, yeah. I missed out on both of those, meeting both of those guys. Well, me, getting Ric Flair's autograph and meeting Raleigh Piper. My co-host and I were supposed to go to a convention. And it had, uh, what's guy from Chip's name? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada was there. <laughs> I love it. And uh, like, you could go like touch the, the kit from Knight Rider. I got you. Yeah, wow. and... Uh, Roddy Piper was there, and then I couldn't go because I was sick, and then he died like two months later. And I was like, yeah. I never got to meet Roddy Piper. Yeah, my, he, my co-host did. And then my dad used to work for Walmart, and every, every year they have this huge, uh, it's like a every odd number of stores go to their home office, and they throw this big event and gets, you know, celebrities to come perform, and, and, uh, just kind of like showing off and look how good we treat our employees. Will Smith's performing. And uh, my dad got to go and he comes home and he goes, uh, yeah, Ric Flair was there. And uh, I could have got his autograph, but his line was really long and I didn't think he would have cared that much. And I was like, you don't think I would have cared <laughs> about getting the 16 time world champions autograph? Like who the fuck do you think that was? <laughs> Yeah, my co-host met Ric Flair at a, what, Office Depot. Office Depot. Office yes. Depot, buying a desk for his kid <laughs> down in North Carolina. Wow. Face-to-face yeah. sales. It was great. And it's, it's, yeah, I haven't met a lot of wrestlers. We don't get a lot of wrestling up here. It's like every other year they'll come up to Manchester. And uh, yeah. I did, I went to the second taping of Dynamite down in uh, Boston. That was great. No one's come up since. <laughs> I mean, not that there's been much wrestling since, but... Yeah, back in October, we went down. That was great. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was the same. I mean, the production value that they have immediately had is incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. not, like, it's not like ECW. It's not like this just offshoot. I mean, they're really going for it, and it's yeah. crazy. And I love Cody, and I love, you know, everyone involved there, and they're, they're doing it right, and hopefully they can become a real big deal. But, I mean, it has definitely been a little bit of a slow burn for me. I mean, they put mm -hmm. on – they put on great shit, and everyone freaked out about that Kenny Omega 
uh, John Moxley match. Like it was the most violent thing anyone had ever seen. And I mean, I think I've seen, I've seen worse in Japan. I mean, Mick Foley's done worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of goofy actually. Yeah. I mean, besides the, the bed of razor wire, right. I mean, you, you could see anything else they've done on an independent show. I mean, C- Dean yeah. was doing worse shit in CZW than he, I mean, oh. I've seen yeah. him take a Sawzall to the face. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't doing that shit. But it is it is better it is great to have something that doesn't have the restrictions of being so PG on it. I mean, it's nice to have just regular wrestling, not having to worry about censoring yourself for toy lines and shit like that. Yeah. And I I hope I hope New Japan's able to bump themselves back up because that shit was great before all those guys left. I know. Well, it's still good. It's just uh, you know they're in a they're in a building period where they're just creating those new stars now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like how the indies get wiped out every every season, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I've had you for quite a while. Uh, I guess we'll finish up here by stealing your favorite line and asking, "Who's your favorite wrestler?" I know that changes from time to time. It does. Um, I guess right now, today, hmm, maybe Orange Cassidy. Yeah. You know, he you is know, entertaining. He, he's just he's doing something that nobody else is doing, and uh, and he's doing it so well. You know, it I is just, so odd, uh, but it just yeah. works. It you just see it, and you're like, it's it's like I've heard people talk about. It. You just walk in with the the title of a forty year old virgin, and it's like, all right, here you go. Like, yeah, that'll work. And it's just like no one's ever thought of what he does. And it's so simple, but he just makes it so perfect. Yeah. He's so good at it. Yeah. So. And we'll follow it up with one of ours. What's your, who's your favorite superhero? God, Spider-Man. You know, yeah. Peter Parker. That character of Peter Parker, he's so... Um, I mean, very close second would be Superman, um, but Spidey is just, it's just such a, I love like Silver Age Superman. Yeah. I love like the, the far out goofiness of it and, you know. Shooting miniatures of himself out of his hand and all that. Yeah, like, you know, building robots of himself and, you know, the, you know, Jimmy Olsen making wishes and Superman like turning into a lion and you know the the fucking uh, you know the early crisis on multiple earths and you know uh, uh, you know Superman um, meeting the 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 Legion and all that stuff I mean but I think when Spidey came along Along came Spidey. Um, <laughs> it uh, it added so much more depth to the tragedy that compelled his character to do the things he does. Because it's like you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, is a traumatized child, and the but then it just becomes goofy. Um, 
even Kal-El, he's traumatized. These are both orphans. They're all orphans. Yeah, you um, gotta be an orphan. Yeah, but with, with Spidey, there's just this constant calamity of um, he tries to do the right thing, and every time he does the right thing, it bites him in the ass. And it all stems from him doing the wrong thing. This one self-centered, you know, I'll take the poison to kill the other person type of thing uh, is the greatest tragedy of his life. You know, he's got his, his, the blood of his uncle on his hands, you know, and then he just keeps trying to, and then he's just got this, like he cannot balance his personal life and his secret life. And he's constantly letting people down and he, he just keeps trying to do the right thing. And then the media shits on him. I mean, it's just, it's so fucking incredible, you know? And he's just so tormented. And I feel like they've, and I appreciate it, but I feel like they've gone back and added those elements to Superman of like, you know, Superman for all seasons where it's, it's not that he's Clark Kent. It's not that he's Superman pretending to be Clark Kent. He's Clark Kent pretending to be Superman, like pretending to be that all-powerful thing when he really is just this shy, confused, scared kid from middle America. Like, that's where, that's where they started with Peter. Like, my favorite series is always the What If uh, books. And the one where, like, Peter stays in show business, basically... And it's like, that's one of the most kick in the stomach. Like it makes me cry thinking of Peter Parker going down, continuing down that path of just self-centeredness, self-seeking, just, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful tragedy. I just love that character. And when Stanley died, I was just devastated, you know, because it was like there, there is no single writer to have a bigger impact on my life. It's incredible. When I really sat down and examined it, I was like, this guy has shaped my view of the world. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, straight simple. Yeah, he's created but, the majority uh, of the things that I love. Yeah. But, uh, but a very close second place would be Superman, just because, like, Spider-Man is, is it's such a small world, you know, because he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It doesn't make sense for him to be fighting the anti-monitor. Yeah, you know? he's not going to another planet all the time. Right, whereas Superman is like this limitless, and I think that I, that's one of the things where I'm like, you keep fucking up Superman. How do you keep fucking up Superman? Like the movies, it's just like, yeah. he's Superman. Like, <laughs> it's not complicated. Anything can happen. That's what I love about it. You know, my favorite, you know, event is the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And the moment where like Anti-Monitor comes back for the last time and like the, the dialogue is bigger than a dialogue bubble. Like the letters cascade across the page and it just says, I won't die until you die with me, Superman. And I'm like, that is a comic book. That yeah. is, God, I love that. You know, just the, and, but again, it's just, they've, Superman shouldn't be a movie. It should be a TV series, and I don't mean like you know um, Smallville. The Super- <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't mean like Smallville because which was it was fine. It was fine. But like we do we do a Smallville I, podcast too. 
where we go episode by episode and tear it apart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Smolder, it's fine, it's fine. But, like, I want a televised version of the Silver Age of Superman just... It's so larger than life and goofy that it's yeah. just, but it works. It works so well. He's got a tiny bottle with a city from his planet that blew <laughs> up. And he's constantly like, how do I make this big again? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, I just love it. God, it's so goddamn good. But, but yeah, I mean. I know, the, if they my, could do an animated things, series for adults, that would be. Like they do with their movies, they—I mean—they could really do something. That Red Sun movie that came out not too long ago. Oh yeah, the Red Sun. That's a great. Or like All Star Superman. I love all that shit. I just also love, you know, the the crisis stuff. I just love the, you know, I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty, and so like I love the parallel worlds and you know Earth One, Earth Two, and that all starting in the, you know, the Justice League books. It's just such a brilliant. thing that they did you know and then like earth three and uh the evil supermans and stuff i just ah fuck it's just so good yeah i'd love you i'd love to have you on sometime our original plan was to to discuss the similarities between hulk hogan and and superman and i find so many parallels there especially to his people get the way people got sick of hulk hogan the same way they got sick of superman he's boring he he always wins. he does you know He's just vanilla. And then, I mean, it happened at the same time. I mean, Hulk Hogan turning heel and Superman being killed were roughly around the same right. time and had roughly right. the same effect. And then people got back on board from him being a bad guy. And I mean, it took longer for Superman, but people free, people love injustice. And that's all about Superman being evil. I mean, there's right. so many similarities between wrestling and comic books. It's, it's insane. Right. Well, that's what it comes down to. It's like the... Um... Superboy Prime is such a that's like one of the greatest characters I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. Because it's just um, it's just brilliant. It's just such a brilliant tilt of that character, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean like even like the, the, the Infinite Crisis, the follow-up um, it's just such a brilliantly told story of like, you know, the Earth 2 Superman coming back and all those pieces were in place. And then him, because every, and, and you could never say that he was the villain of that story, but he was doing what he thought was right, which any good villain should have yeah, otherwise they they're just twirling they're, yeah, their they muscles believe they're the good person <laughs> right um you know he's just trying to save lois it's just such a i just love superman you know but spidey will always etch him out just because um it's it's effortless it's so it's so effortless but what a strong backbone too i mean everyone can relate to with great power comes great responsibility. Right. I mean, it's such it's right. such a strong foundation that you can just go anywhere with. Yep. And with great be, power must also come great responsibility. Yeah, and it can be twisted, and it can be used against him, and it can be used in his favor or bent if he, you know, 
causing conflict within himself. I mean, it's such a great writing tool to have thought of that in the beginning. Right. And well, I mean, that my, my four-year-old son, he's been asking me, you know, this isn't what we're talking about, but he has asked me, you know, what, what does Black Lives Matter mean? And I explained it to him in terms like that. And I said, well, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And that's what people are fighting for right now. You know, it's just, yeah, absolutely. you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. We, Superman, we could use you right about now. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I put up uh, one of, when all this started a couple weeks ago, that was one of the posts I put up. Was yeah. a, was a uh, a comic panel of Superman standing in front of a line of people saying, "I'm not I'm not for the basically I'm not for the establishment. I'm here for the good of everybody. Like I will right. stand for the people that can't stand for themselves. I mean that's that is the great thing about comics is it's like the Bible. Well, someone told me once the Bible is not to be read; it's to be studied. And you could do the same thing with comic books. I mean, you, if you if you want something that's inspirational to, you know, the LGBT community, I mean, X-Men is right up there. Right. If you just want comics yeah. about doing the right thing, Spider-Man, Superman, I mean, yeah. people, I mean, my dad doesn't get why I'm a nerd. And, and I mean, so many people don't get why people are nerds. It's like, you should want your kid to be a nerd because they'll grow up with great morals. <laughs> like, like. They'll, right. they'll understand how to treat people and that people's differences don't don't matter and it's what makes them special like it's 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 fantastic for children it's fantastic for anybody you know yep but let's end on a happier note <laughs> uh you, you want to shout out to your, all your stuff yeah you know uh if you guys want to hear more i'm on instagram and twitter at mccarthy redhead and um Mondays, I do a podcast with my beautiful and talented wife, Glennis. It's called I Love You Okay. I Love You Okay. And Wednesdays is the We Watch Wrestling Podcast, and Fridays is Justifying My Movie Collection. I'm a huge VHS tape head. Uh, I got a big collection of DVDs and Laserdiscs and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, so check them out. Yeah, you're working your way through those Godzilla movies. That's, that's wonderful. That's another yeah, they thing finally... we have in common. Yeah, they finally officially moved the release date to next May, so I'm putting that on pause. I got yeah. about two dozen movies left, so I'm like, I'm just going to go back to watching whatever, but yeah, yeah. for now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, awesome. What happened man. to uh, your wife's, your wife had a podcast, uh, what was it called? Tell Me Lies? Was that Tell Me Lies, it? yeah. Yeah, what happened with that? Um... Yeah, her and the other girl, they kind of hit a wall with it. And then that was basically the end of it. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't much else to it. Yeah, yeah. I listened when you, when you brought it up on the show. I was listening to it and I looked for it a couple months ago. And I was like, oh, it's not here anymore. I like that show. Yeah, yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, thanks so much, man. This is awesome. I'm so happy you, yeah, thank you. you gave it. us the time. Hopefully our yeah, show will get, get bigger. Happy to do it. Yeah, so we'll, we'd be lo love to have you on again sometime. Talk about anything you'd like. Like I said, cool. love to get into it about Superman and Hogan. Um, yeah, let me know. Yeah, awesome. So 
Thanks for coming on, man. Thank Take care. Very cool. You too. All right. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. For nerds by nerds. There you have it, folks. What an amazing interview with such an amazing guy. Matt's so funny and just so smart for everything he, he loves, was his knowledge of the world of comedy and wrestling. And, and it was such a pleasure talking to him. What is such a great guest, especially for our first guest. Start big, you know what I mean? Make sure you follow Matt on all social media at McCarthy Redhead. Make sure you follow our show at Four Nerds by Nerds pretty much everywhere where I think it's FNBN Podcast on Twitter, FNBN for you on Instagram, Facebook. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. Everywhere podcasts can be found. Make sure you tell your friends. We need more downloads. We were talking to somebody on Twitter the other day that has a lot less episodes than we do and a lot more downloads. So we would really like to get those up there, and, and we know it's coming. This was a special interview. Uh, we have another special interview coming with Slash City Podcast. That one's really great. And July is Batman month here on the podcast. We're doing all the Burton Schumacher Batman movies. So tune in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to sing Kiss from a Rose when we get to Batman Forever. So don't miss that. Uh, I'm Josh. And for Ben, since he's not here while I'm recording this, this is the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast signing off. Stay nerdy, my friends.